This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is Lou Roberts. This is Tyrese Campbell. And you're listening to the Every Step Along The Way podcast. Hello all. Your last international break until March is completed. It is done. Gone. Now it's Stoke City all the way. Right, can we carry on with that wonderful form, that unbeaten run that we had in the last month or so, just the last international break? Let's find out this week. Before we get into that, though, I'm going to introduce the two people joining me. First, my trusted co-host on this podcast, my partner in crime, Michael Stockley. How are you, Mike? Good evening, mate. Yeah, good. Um, glad to see the back of the internationals, as you will rightly know from from that. And I can see that I missed absolutely nothing with the shower that is England. So, um, yeah, I'm uh, I'm good, thank you, mate. Like I say, I'm looking forward to the real football being back, and we can start, you know, turning our attentions to what matters, really, can't we? I mean, I, I do like watching England. They were horrific the last two games, the last two weeks. Um, and I must say, I am now admit now quite looking forward to getting the teeth into Stoke week in, week out, and not having a break every four weeks because it really does just just seems well, every time you get into a bit of a rhythm, get a bit of you know momentum going either way, and then you stop. You think oh, it must be a nightmare for the for the the coaching staff and whatever and the players. But anyway. We're not just us two on this pod tonight. We do have a third voice, and that third voice is the one you will know. It is Laurie. Laurie, how are you, mate? Yeah, thanks for having me on again, Dan and Mike. Very good, thank you. And um, just to just to reflect both of your uh, opinions, it's good to good to have Stoke City Football Club back this weekend. Um, back to basics, and uh, we can we can talk about what's to what's to come over the next few weeks and hopefully some successful results and uh, pushing ourselves up the table. Yes, definitely. Um, now, before the international break, before we had that, we like say we were five games unbeaten. And the last one of those, obviously, was Coventry. Now, we went down to the... Uh, well, I'm going to call it the Rico because, you know, that's why it still is to me. <laughs> I'll give them free advertising. Um, yeah, so they went down to obviously the Coventry uh, Stadium, and 440 minutes now we've gone without conceding. So nil-nil draw, another 90 minutes had, and this is the third. I think it knocks us up to third, was it, Mike? In that sort of graphic that we put out, 
of the longest uh, runs in the last twenty odd years of Stoke. So the longest runs without conceding a goal in the past twenty two years, I believe it was. And now it's up to third in that. So uh, yeah, Jack, Jack Bonham and the and the lads are doing well, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Like you said the other weekend, it's ironic that Jack Bonham's the goalkeeper that could take us to a new record within I think what a couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, it's pretty uh, pretty interesting. But I think from, from what I gather, I must admit I didn't really catch much of the uh, the Coventry game um, for that particular one. But uh, if I remember rightly, I mean again, I think it was a bit of a not an awful lot to show about it. I think they had the upper hand in terms of like you know shots and and stuff like that. Except you know I, I do think they were probably a little bit um, wasted as well. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I seem to remember they had a lot more, um, I say, attempts than us. But I, I just I just think really, Dan, I think we've we've probably found that that formula. And people were talking the other day about players coming back and obviously we've had the international break. So, you know, fitness and stuff like that. I mean, I don't think much will change in, in the defence side of things. Uh, Jack Bonham's confidence must be absolutely through the roof. Um, so, you know, good, good on the good on the bloke for for what he's doing so far. Um, I think we're going to come under a lot more pressure uh, this week for Blackburn, which obviously we'll get into, but um, it will put him, it, put him into test. But yeah, I mean, as far as I'm concerned, I don't think, when I looked at, I looked at the lineups, I don't think there was any um, major surprises, if you like. I think it was pretty much what we were expecting. Um, Dwight Gale obviously made his, uh, his appearance again, didn't he, I think. Um, I... <laughs> I don't know. I think um, it was it was a it was a good performance. I think all of us said that you know I think a point was probably about right. I I think the main thing for me, yeah, we didn't concede. Um, I think we had more possession uh, than Coventry did, which I think we all know uh, we actually probably prefer to have less possession uh, and kind of hit people, which we'll probably find this weekend actually. Um, but yeah, for me, Dan, I think it's great. You know, we've got another point. It's it's still not an easy place to go. Uh, I think we've we, you know, we've got a, probably away with one or two chances in the match as well. So uh, for me, it was about going into that break, not losing, not you know, not going and conceding a couple of goals, and it just allows us now with the the string of games we've got to probably push on. And I know that's dangerous when you think about Stoke and these so-called more winnable games. Uh, famous last words as, as a club typically but um, yeah really happy with how things have, have gone in the last four or five games and let's just hope now we don't throw it away now those um, potentially harder games are, are kind of out of the way if you like yeah indeed the fixture does seem to be easy doesn't it after what was you know been a very tough five or six matches on the bounce uh, on paper anyway Um Laurie, do you think, I, I mean, I've written down here, listening to what Mike said there, I've written down uh, solid, not spectacular, is sort of my sort of feelings on, on the match against Coventry. Uh, would you think that was a fair assessment of, of our performance? Yes, definitely. It wasn't any type of all painting. It was defensively sound. The defence look as if they've got some some kind of uh, continuation of, of form. I think people coming into form perhaps at the right time uh, defensively. Uh, obviously, we've got our reservations with with the attacking side of things. It, it, it was just, for me, again, it was it was an issue with final ball. But, yeah, uh, I mean, the, the form table speaks for itself. <laughs> we probably wouldn't have scored if we'd have played for the whole day. 
Um, but really happy with another solid performance from from Rose and McNally. I, I did, if I'm being overly critical of McNally, uh, he he had a bit of a moment of madness um, second half where he was taking lots of touches and the forwards almost picked his pocket. But um, no, really, really happy on the whole. And um, I, I suppose as well, you could say, defensively it's not just a back four situation or, or a back five with Bonham the midfielder doing a superb job to, to sort of shield the the back four and um but yeah it it, it kind of did what it said on the tin or, or on on Saturday I, I I just I could just see us having a bit of a board draw um it it, it it did work out that way with with the chances that we tried to create and you know, lots of uh, just a poor, poor final ball in, in into the box, and and they were no better. So yeah, just kind of cancelled one another out. It's funny how you say there. Obviously, you know the the defence, uh, the midfield helping out as well. Do you think we've benefited on the, on the run that we've been on, the, especially like the defensive solidity that we've got recently, on the fact that the manager's been able to name. A settled back four for once. Um, obviously, who'd have thought that taking out Travers and Wilmot has actually defensively created uh, a tighter unit? Uh, I think obviously we've got Ben. They've got Ben Pearson playing in front of them. Uh, then you've got you know Hoiver, uh, Rose, McNally, and Stevens, and then Bonham and Goal. It's it's like the those six have been sort of. They're there. They sort of started to know each other's game a bit. They're the, the, like ever presence, if you like, in the most recent weeks on this um, this run of not conceding. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's it's always about making sure that the spine's solid, and as you said, continuation of uh, of having having a similar. Similar starting eleven. I know it, it's it must be so important for a goalkeeper to know that you're having a continuation of the same centre halves makes a massive difference. Um, ben Pearson is just invaluable for us. It, he he disrupts play, keeps the game very simple, and you know exactly what you're going to get from him. <laughs> I, I do say I do say this tentatively because obviously you you've got to think about the card situation and he can be very clumsy and and sometimes he's it, he is one tackle off of a red sometimes or or should I say quite a lot of the time um but he brings on the other side of the corner he brings so much to that team um he just he's our steady eddie See, I think a, a big thing about this, this this kind of league, right, so unless you're a, fact, not just any league, like any football team, unless you're a Man City or someone of that ilk where you can change five players and bring in five equally good players, um, very few teams can keep that continuity um, in, in performances, continuity in terms of result, you know, results at the end of the day. Um, I think that, that that's not a surprise 
that a team does well when they keep the same bunch of players together. Because in this division, you don't need to have a team of absolute worldies. You need, we, we've proven that when we got promoted before. Yeah, we had some good players. You know, Liam Lawrence was on form, Fuller. You know, we had a few game changes. You always need them to be a successful, you know, promotion team. But uh, when you when you think about, you know, what actually got us up in those seasons was also a bit of grit, uh, a bit of, you know, bruises and, and stuff like that. You know, the you know, the likes of Ben Pearson would fit into that category. I think that you, you keep any team together in this division with minimal injuries, you're going to do better than, the, the I'd say, a good chunk of the rest of the, the division. It's going to happen. You just need that little sprinkle of of quality, uh, you know, the, the little game changes uh, in a team. And before you know it, you're a playoff team. So I think you're, you're absolutely right in terms of the continuity side. Um, but I also think if you would have taken Rose out of there and put Wilmot in, we wouldn't have been any worse off. Um, I just I just think we've got a situation where we are, um, we've got a team now who's starting to understand. It's almost like a, a heartbeat. Like, you, you know, if one player goes where they're going to be and where the other one's going to be after it. You know, they, they've got used to that style of play. I think the the interesting thing, actually, and quite ironically, is that we've got players coming back now. I think bar Ben Wilmot, we're going to have pretty much a full-strength team. The problem we could face ourselves, I think, going forward, is are we going to end up back in a situation where, I don't know, maybe Alex Neal feels he needs to kind of force a couple of players in. You know, Tyrese Campbell, he, he obviously likes Tyrese. Tyrese, on his day, can be great. Is he going to try and force him into the side somewhere? And then, you know, maybe he'll feel compelled to put Baker in at some point. And all of a sudden, you're then going to start kind of, you know, tilting the apple cart a little bit. I think he didn't feel compelled to put Baker in last season, did he? <laughs> well, no, that's, that's one thing. I just, it just depends on how far he he goes with it. I think a, a good manager with half a brain cell would not change this right now. You know, he, you wouldn't do very much to it. If he starts trying to force in the likes of Tyrese, who doesn't deserve his place right now, then that's when I think other players in the, the team are going to go, hmm, what's going on here? What have I done wrong? So I think he needs to be strong. Those other players need to earn their place. Um, and I, I think we need to keep this team together, even if in theory, in people's minds, it's not the strongest team on paper. I think we need to stick with it. Yeah, I uh, I actually think you make some good points there. Uh, I think every player should be made to earn the place. And then I think when you are winning games, uh, which has been a little bit of an alien concept on the whole for quite a few years at this club, let's be honest, to be on a good run like we are now, uh, we haven't had too many of them. I think when you are doing this, then, you know, to, to bring players in out the cold and stuff who, who weren't performing before, it's only going to have a negative a negative impact, um, like you were saying then. So for me, I'm, I'm with you. I think anyone returning from injury or being dropped with poor form, they've got to work their way back in. They've got to earn that right to have the shirt um, off one of the lads who are in there. And that goes for, for anyone, uh, probably Ben Wilmot included. And obviously he's not fit yet, but if he was, if someone turned around now and said, you know, he's, he's, he's recovered a lot quicker than we thought, he's available Saturday, I'd say, well, he's going to have to start on the bench then, isn't he? And work his way back in. Um, lovely. I completely agree. One thing I, I was like looking at, and, and is it my eyes, or do you, or have you seen this as well? I feel that we are 
sitting deeper. Since Mark Travers has gone and Jack Bottoms in goal, yeah, we haven't conceded any goals, but I think we're not we're not on the front foot as much. I think we've maybe dropped a little bit. Um, we stay more compact. There's more seems to be more structure to the defensive play, and as if the manager maybe doesn't trust the goalkeeper as much as he did with Travers. So to do that, he's protecting you using the defence and then and, and, and Pearson at all as as more um, guards, if you like, to sort of protect the goalkeeper. Do you, do you, have you seen any of that? I mean, I. I, I don't know if I'm just putting that together with the fact that obviously we've just had two goalless draws in a row uh, where we haven't really created much in either. It, it might just be coincidence, but to me, it definitely looks like we've sort of, like I say, dropped a little bit and maybe, like I say, not, not looking to get forward as much as we were under Travers. I don't personally see that. I understand why you might be able to to look at it, look at it in that sense. I just think that, we know what we're like, right? When when teams come and sit in, Cardiff came and sat in. You know, Coventry are a very solid outfit. They didn't really absolutely smash us with possession or try and outfight us in that sense for me. Um, but, you know, when you look previously to that and we beat Middlesbrough, like they weren't a team who were going to sit back and, and just let us, you know, dictate the game. We did from our quality. I think they had, a, they had an off day and we had a great day. You took, you know, you look at Leeds, they aren't going to sit back like a Coventry would. Sunderland don't sit back like a Coventry would. I think it was just the nature of them teams. We, we've, we've had this problem for years where we can't break down teams who sit at, you know, sit on us. We, we had a couple of chances against Cardiff where I think Dwight Gale fluffed a couple um, and the rest of it was a pretty boring match. As I said at the time, one of the most boring games of football I think I've ever seen. Like Because, again, two banks of four, when, when we got the ball, they sat behind it and we could not break them down. So I just think it's the nature of the teams that we're playing. I know we're going to Blackburn, but Blackburn are not going to come here and sit back, which I actually think is going to really play into our hands. So I just think it's the nature of those teams, Dan, to be honest. I can't say I've seen anything that makes me think we're being more defensive from those two games, personally. Yeah, I think, like you say, Blackburn play a different style, don't they, to Coventry and what we had from Cardiff. So that question itself and obviously whether we are getting that the route will probably become a lot clearer, like I say, on Saturday, won't it, when we encounter Blackburn. Um and obviously, hopefully, we do go, uh, you know, attacking and then go attack for attack at them. Um, Laurie, you were, you were going to say? Is it a worry about possibly a bull, worrying about a bull in behind us that, that could threaten us? So we're giving ourselves a bit more of insurance there by dropping off slightly. Is it a focus of, because teams are naturally going to, try and exploit the area that Henry leaves. Um, Pearson does very well to plug into that hole and um, to occupy that area, but that is naturally going to be an area that teams are going to, yeah, they're going to try and attack it. That's that's basics. But yeah, coming back to, coming back to the ball in behind and possibly dropping off, I think... Stoker, as you've mentioned, aren't, aren't a team that break teams down very well. Perhaps, perhaps are the, the way to go for us now is is definitely a counter-attacking game. 
Um, Middlesbrough are good, good examples of that where we've set traps and um, and kind of sucker punched them where we've we've allowed them to uh, attack us and and we've we've been clever with interceptions and and on on two occasions uh, shown quality in front of goal. So um, yeah, when when we have a lot of the ball, I. I I can I can sometimes like yourselves think that, that that can be potentially a negative thing, and over the last few games I think I think the the team are getting confidence when we're defending, actually maybe enjoying uh, the defending. Dare I say it? So um, with confidence is going to be that that moment where we say, well, okay, we're not going to panic when they have the ball. And we can have a low block, uh, perhaps a little bit more of a worry uh, about Jack Bonham because he's just come coming into the team and he's establishing himself. And I will say he, he's he's been very good in his time. Um, I shan't hold my breath with that. But yeah, lots of th- food for thought. But I, I think I think that's a good point you've made, Dan. Um, sorry to go slightly off on a tangent. It's kind of a, a good segue. We, we, you know, we, we love that word on this pod. Um, Jack Bottom's contract extension. And Dan, I'm sorry if I'm jumping ahead here, but I think it's just relevant. What do you guys think about the contract extension? I mean, I made my, my thoughts pretty clear uh, that I think it was a... On the face of it, my first thought was, what the hell are we doing? This isn't a goalkeeper that's going to take us anywhere. But in hindsight, when I actually go calm down and uh, and thought about it, um, if he is any more than a number three, I think next season, I think there's something wrong. Because for me, yeah... He's he's getting on a bit. I don't think that he's ever going should ever be our number one. I think he's been he's tried to replace him twice. So clearly, Alex Neal doesn't think he's the number one long term. Um, do you again? We mentioned it briefly the other week, but do you think maybe you know this is the time for obviously Travis to come in permanently and then a Simpkin as number two, or even Bonham and Simpkin trying to fight out for for who's number two, who's number three, or is it too early for Simpkin because? Surely Jack Bonham cannot be here for the long term. Surely not. Not if he wants to be a promotion chaser team. Simkin just needs minutes uh, in the lower leagues. I feel, but uh, of course, at the moment, uh, recall. So perhaps slightly precautionary. Uh, Jack Bonham's not long term. Uh, he's he's going to be. Uh, I feel he's going to be somebody that's that we're looking to replace soon. And obviously, every Stoke fan is hoping that Travers comes back and he gets and he gets lots of minutes for us uh, in leading up to the second half of the season. But who knows what's around that corner? But Stoke need a real name in goal. Jack Bonham isn't that type of a goalkeeper, I feel, for us. But um, I think uh, I think we're all happy that he's he's in form at the moment, but we do know his frailties, and somewhere down the line, that's that's going to be evident again. And uh, I do feel that the the fans are ready to turn on him if it starts to go sour. Perhaps perhaps unjustified at the moment, of course, but. Yeah, I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't argue at the point where you you said that you were disappointed with that, Mike. Uh, I, I think quite a lot of fans would have would have felt perhaps a bit 
not downhearted, but kind of a, okay, what's our thinking? Maybe it's just like a really cheap deal. And it's like, well, for what it's going to cost us to replace him, let's just keep him in the in the building uh, for now. Because Frankie Fielding's gone, any. Let's be honest, he's not going to be here at the end of this season. Surely not. If if so, what? If if they come out and give Frankie Fielding a contract extension, I vote we all strike <laughs> because the guy the guy's not even played a game yet, so his days must be numbered. So for me, I play. think. I don't know. How Talk many on. times do I have to tell you he's not here to play games? <laughs> Oh, he's the ball boy. Sorry, I forgot about that. Uh, yeah, but he, he, again, he's going to be off, which obviously means that number three, current number three, is gone. Uh, obviously, Bonham would be number two behind Travers. I, I just, I, I know what you're saying about Simkin being, he's, he's a young lad. I definitely think he needs time. But it's that whole, is it better he gets, you know, a load of, I don't know, a load of time out on loan. There's 100% it's going to help him. I just sometimes think, you know, next season, if if, if we're not getting promoted, again, we're a bit early for this, but if we didn't, then would it be a bad thing if he plays in all of our cup games and we really test him? I mean, is it too much pressure on the lad? I guess only Alex Neil knows his temperament and knows what, you know, the danger of spoiling him and ruining him. Um, if he has a few bad games, um, that's why he gets paid the big bucks, I guess. But I just wouldn't mind seeing him as fighting out as number, as number two with, with Bonham. I suppose it depends on which value you put on a uh, on a cup run. Well, if you want to get promoted, mate, next season, then I'm happy to to forgo any cup run if it means you're going to go be fighting for promotion. You, you say about fielding. The, obviously, the the, re, the the point I was making with fielding was that as a number three goalkeeper, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a weird one. Now, for me, Jack Bonham is not your number three goalkeeper, and he doesn't fit either of the. And so, sort of the mould that you like. So, if you have uh, two experienced goalkeepers, usually closely matched, with lots of experience at the level you're playing at, then you can get a young third choice goalkeeper. And then the young goalkeeper uh, knows his third choice, knows he's not there, to, not going to be playing games right there and then. Somebody like a Tommy Simkin. Uh, but he learns off the experience from the one and the two. So then that brings the three along in time to then take number two and hopefully eventually number one. Um, so obviously you have either experience number one and two and a young number three, or the reason in Stokes' case was we had a young... Obviously, when Fielding came in, we had a basic, didn't we? And we had Bonham. Now, Bonham had never played championship football. He played, I think it was 90 games in two seasons for Gillingham. So he had plenty of League One football experience, but nothing at the championship. And obviously, Joe Bursic was a young lad. So Fielding's point was that he came in as an experienced goalkeeper. You know, in his mid to, mid to 30s. I think he's 35 now, so what would he been about 33 then? He, you know, he played for Millwall, Bristol City, Derby, Blackburn. Uh, I think he played for Leeds. So he got hundred, few hundred championship games under his belt, and he then, as number three, wasn't really there to challenge number two and one, but was there to help them and give them experience, and they can sort of learn off him. And then if it was that one and two either were the chronic bad form or really terrible, then he was there and he could come in with experience. So the fact he hasn't played doesn't mean he's not 
doing his job. It's probably like a real weird position, the number three goalkeeper is. Probably out of all the positions in the squad, it's like you're a real sort of quirky sort of position in what your actual role is. Like Stoke could be more than happy for Frank Fielding never to step foot, never to put his gloves on and, you know, and start a match because that means that the number one and two are available and everything's fine and rosy. Um, to get so to sort of get where where are we coming from with that? Like, how are we sort of contributing yeah. to the squad without actually? Yeah, I, I get it. I get it. I, I, I feel my. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Like with Simpkins, um, him him coming back into our team after being recalled and being on the bench, it's almost like his development's being put on pause and very similar to batters in cricket they get all of their experience from being out at the crease and they can be in the nets as long as uh, as long as they want but you know putting it back in, the analogy back into a, a football context here Stinkins is gonna uh, yeah I, I understand he, he's he's getting his experience in in the U team and building up into under 18s under 23s or or beating football however however you like to call it but um being in first team football as we all know is it is a completely different ball game and in the lower leagues as well he's learning about the real game he's learning about playing on different surfaces um in different environments against different types of players fans um He's he's having a real experience there, and sitting on the bench for for Stoke, I don't think is it, it is a good medium to long term plan for him. He needs minutes, so I'd really like to see us push, um, get Travers back if we can in in January, and if we can't go for him, uh, we need to go for another name. Um, by then, I feel Bonham would have been found out. Yeah, for me as well, on the Bonham issue, I know that was your original question, wasn't it, Mike? Sorry. Um, for me, I'm happy for him to be number two. I think I said in the, in the last sort of pod we did before the break that if, you know, he, for me, he's a goalkeeper. If you said to me he's got to cover six to ten games or whatever, then I'm like, yeah, okay. If he's got to all season, then I, I'm not happy with that. <laughs> I think we're in a bit of trouble. But I think that we would then replace, you know, bring another goalkeeper in if needed. But as a number two, you know, who's not going to kick the bus up if he's not playing and also, um, you know, can come in and he's not going to be absolutely awful for half a dozen games, seven or eight games. I think he's more than capable of, of plugging a gap like that. So, yeah, as a number two goalkeeper, I'm fine. Um and then obviously, yeah, you'd be looking obviously for Tommy Simpkin to be that number two, but I'd like to see him get at least another season out on loan, gaining experience first uh, before we try and, you know, trust him there. I mean, the lad's still just 17. I think he may have just turned 18, but he's, uh, yeah, very young for a goalkeeper. And, uh, you know, if he's out there gaining experience, then he's he's more than ahead of the curve for his age, I think. Before we do uh, the Man of the Match poll, let's just hear from Glenn. So he's our sort of resident Coventry fan. Supplies us with all his thoughts. So, yeah, this is what he had to, to say about the game. 
Hi, my name's Glenn, and I'm part of the All Things Sky Blue podcast team. You can find us on Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, etc. Um, I've been asked to give my thoughts on the Cov City v Stoke game on Saturday. Um, I thought it wasn't the best game of football. Um, it kind of opened up a bit more second half, but yeah, first half, I think the Cov team selection, we went to a back four, um, kind of dropped a bit more of our flair players. Um, we went for more solid defensive options in the full-back area and the midfield three was kind of more hard-working and we went for the three lads up front and kind of just tried to get at Stoke a bit. Very similar to how Stoke played last season against us with three up top and we tried to cause problems. Um, I was a bit disappointed with Stoke, to be honest. Um, I think it kind of showed my feelings and from speaking to a few Stoke fans and hearing their comments I think that Stoke kind of need a proper number nine I don't think Dwight Gale's the player that he was um, I think it showed by his attempt to do that silly overhead kick when I, I, I think he should have headed it uh, I think that was in the first half from memory or it might have been second half I lose, I lose track but yeah um, I don't think the other two players, the wide players, got in the game. I thought the best Stoke players were probably McNally and Rose. I don't think we worked your goalkeeper enough, Bonham. I thought it was a bit unconvincing at times. And I kind of was a bit surprised that Alex Neal didn't have more of a go at us, given the record um, we've been on. I think he kind of showed us a bit of respect, and I'm not convinced that Stoke kind of went for the win. I could argue that Kov tried to go for the win. Obviously, we put some more attacking players on in Sakamoto and O'Hare, but that kind of backfired on us and it didn't really work. And I think Stoke arguably finished the game stronger and yeah the last minute when you had the free kick on the edge of the box and it was hands through looking at looking through hands over my face thinking it would just be our luck that McNally or Rose will pop up with a win of 1-0 so yeah um, in terms of Cov clean sheet massive um, we were missing a few players um, obviously Carl McFadstein was left out and he's normally our rock of our defence we left Ben Wilson out as well to play Brad um, Brad Collins who did pretty well yeah Hadji Roy was a bit of a threat but he never really got any clear cut chances from the Stoke side as I said earlier I thought McNally and Rose impressed uh, Ben Pearson was his usual self uh, getting stuck in and, and disrupting the game as he does but yeah um I thought the only couple of players that kind of I thought maybe should have started for Stoke was um, I think it's Matemi who came on as a striker and the South Korean lad I can't remember his name but he looked like he had a bit about him and I think maybe they're the sort of players Stoke maybe needed to start ahead of Gale um, I didn't think Vidigal got in the game much and neither did the other winger Larissa I think it is so yeah I think the front three comparing them with last season how good the front three was against us obviously when you had Campbell uh, Jacob Brown and Nick Powell and how much trouble you caused us then and also you had small ball, small bone as well I just think Stoke kind of missed that threat for midfield um, yeah, and I wasn't convinced that the strikers were as potent as they had been but we'll take a point I'm sure Stoke given the one they're on it's a point keeps the one going they still haven't conceded so yeah I think it's the base for base for Cough to build from and it's a point onto Stoke's Stoke's total and I think both sides will look to strengthen in January and um, yeah and hopefully kick on and push themselves into the top half or pushing for the playoffs Oh brilliant thank you for that Glenn um, yeah so moving into the man of the match poll so 
Who do you think was your who was your man of the match, Larry? Two cent halves. Uh, again, very close between two of them. If you had to push me for one, I'm going to say McNally. Um, solid again. Um, needed to have a good game against against his previous loan club as well. So that must have been playing on his mind. But um, other than the moment of madness that I mentioned about in the second half, um, spotless. Yeah, tidy, solid, um, really coming into his own, coming into form at just the right time as well when when all the team uh, seem a lot more galvanised. So becoming a bit of a leader. Both and you, Mike? Uh, you might also press rewind and press play, Dan. I, I, I totally agree with Laurie on that. Yeah, um, I think a couple of them could have got it, but 100%. I'm happy to agree with Laurie. Nothing else to add on that, which is unusual for me. But yeah, I think you nailed it. <laughs> well, <clears throat> so, man of the match we have in third place was Rose with 16%. Second, Luke McNally with 22%. And the runaway winner, second man of the match in a row, 55% of the vote was Jack Bonham. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, uh, yeah, also votes in there. Pearson and Stevens also got votes. And uh, yeah, Jack Bonham becomes the third player to win back-to-back Man of the Matches this season. Do you know what the other two were? Can you have a think? No, I'll put you out of your misery. Lyndon Gooch and Junior Chamadeo. It didn't really go well for either of them because neither of them are playing now, are they? <laughs> there must be sign that we're getting a goalkeeper in soon. <laughs> <laughs> Um, player of the season, talking of Medi, he still leads the way on 212 points, Medi Larice. Uh, second, Mark Travers, still unmoved, even though he's left the club on 205. And third is Wouterberger on 188. They have not sort of changed or added to their tallies in recent weeks. Uh, Jack Bonham, incidentally, has gone from 22nd to 12th in the last two games with his back to back man of the matches. So, yes, he's uh, working his way up, up the league there. So yeah, let's. Uh... And you um, can I just say that actually very quickly. Now, if we did the presentation for the trophy again, could you? Yes. Wouldn't it be hilarious if Jack Bonham was the one to get to all the stick we've got him? How two faced would that be? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jack never doubted you, mate. Well done. We 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 were behind you all the way. And uh, <laughs> yeah, he's like, I've heard your podcast. I know that's far from the truth. Okay. <laughs> Just to make, I mean, we did sort of mention this, I think, on the on the spaces one that we did um, last week. But so we're up to we mentioned earlier on, didn't we? Four hundred and forty minutes without conceding, and then the record, the club record, is six hundred and fifty-eight. Which means if we don't concede against Blackburn on Saturday, away at QPR, we keep a clean sheet as well. Then all we've got to do is get to the thirty-ninth minute against Plymouth. The week after, and we'll set a new club record, or got for minutes without conceding. And I was, I was just saying, Laurie, me and Mike were laughing before that the the amount of great goalkeepers this club's had down the years: your Gordon Banks, uh, Shelton, Peter Fox, Sorensen, Sam Begovic, Butland, great names like that. And wouldn't it be ironic if all those were surpassed by Jack Bonham? It just sums Stoke up, doesn't it? <laughs> it's, it's bizarre. And as you say, we're all going to end up eating our words, aren't, aren't we? And he's going to get in touch with us and, yeah, give us some stick. And good on him, actually. <laughs> yeah. 
well, if, if this is if that's what fires him, if that is what fires him up to do to play well, then we'll have to keep uh, having a go. <laughs> I, I think we're um, we're quite fortunate that I think his his agent, uh, we know who his original agent, uh, listened to this podcast. Um, but uh, I think his I think we're probably lucky that his, his current agent probably doesn't. Or else <laughs> we might be getting a couple of messages sent our way. I'm like, mm, okay, uh, yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's head into the news. <laughs> so, there's been some busy times. The under-18s, uh, whilst we've been gone, they've lost 4-2 at home to Liverpool in the league. Uh, a double from Luke Enright was not enough to get anything from that match. And then the uh, Premier League Cup. So, the, the first game they had in the Premier League Cup uh, group stage, they lost 4-0 to Brighton. Well, they played Leicester at home last week last Friday, and they lost 4-0 in that game as well. So they haven't started that very well. Uh, this week, they head to the Academy of Light, which, if you can't work that one out, is Sunderland. So, yeah, they're away at Sunderland. 1.30 kick-off on Saturday. That's also in the Premier League Cup. Uh, so we desperately need a victory there. Uh, and yes, one other bit of news for the under-18s is we have been we've drawn Bristol City away in the third round of the FA Youth Cup. So their matches will usually get played at the start of December, first couple of weeks in December. So we'll have to wait for an official date on that one. But uh, usually they get played at the first team ground as well, don't they? So that's probably going to be played at Ashton Gate. So we'll have to send Nathan Lowe down to recreate that last-minute winner, won't we? Put us through to the next round. Because uh, he's probably still young enough to play for the under-18s. Uh, Under-21s. Now, they haven't had any league games since November the 5th. However... We are recording this Wednesday night, and last night they did play. So they had a 1-0 win at Wolverhampton Casuals in the Staff Senior Cup. Uh, Jack Griffiths scored the only goal of the game to help us progress to the next round. Apparently they had a very low block, played very defensive. Stoke had a lot of the ball. That's keep keep going, keep going. And uh, yeah, about 58 minutes in, Jack Griffiths got to put the ball in the net and settled the game. Interesting, Luke Enright, who I mentioned just under 18, he made his under 21 debut, as did a couple other lads. And Freddie Anderson, who's getting rave reviews and also signed a pro contract recently, he was made captain of the under 21. I mean, he's only 17, and he was made captain of the under 21s for the first time uh, in that game last wow. night. So he is, um, yeah, he's definitely. So, so people paying attention to him down at Clayton Mud, aren't they? Is there uh, is that the next one off the conveyor belt? Do you think? Yeah, well, centre half signed from um, yeah, well, it was, it was his dad was an England international, wasn't Viv? <laughs> and yeah, I think he was he signed from Manchester City in the summer. So yeah, he's, I think he'd been there yeah, for nine years. So he's had some good coaching. It's about time we had another centre because we were talking about this when we were a few weeks ago, saying that you, you know we've always had someone on the periphery from from the youth team, especially in defence. Uh, who's who's ready to come through? Sometimes they don't always make it, but we've had a bit of a good run uh, of players we've kind of we've built up, and we were looking at that defence and going, okay, there's absolutely nobody there um, who's ready to even remotely come close. But maybe Anderson's the uh, the next one. I think I think we you always need a 
a stream, don't you? Realistically, you know, I think if if Stoke were to, you know, the maybe the Suitors and the Collins and all that, you bring them in, you sell them for 10, 15 million. If you can keep doing that um, in various positions, if they're not going to stay with you, um, then that's the way you get again the self-sustaining and lets us put money elsewhere. Because I mean, the fact that we sold Collins um, and obviously then we got the Suitor. Uh, money as well more recently like that's probably gives us funds in january so as much as you don't want these players to go sometimes it's actually for the greater good so it'd be, it'd be interesting to see if he's the he's the next one off the conveyor belt like i say yeah i think you can outgrow the them which i think is possibly what happened uh with connor taylor and stoke and they can outgrow you which is probably what happened with nathan collins and harry Souter, wasn't it um, but yeah, the thing is, when that happens, you usually get a decent fee, as we did with both their players, I think, which is fair enough. Uh, the under-21's next game is Friday the 1st of December, which is away at Aston Villa. And there are also a couple of Stoke uh, under-21 players who have gone out on loan. So they've joined Russell Olympic, and that's Luke Badley-Morgan and Sonny Singh. Uh, so yeah, they're going to National League North level. Uh, for four weeks with Russia Olympics. So, yeah, let's hope that, uh, yeah, they have a good spell out. Uh, the women. So, last week, the women won 6-0 on their own FA Cup tie. First round against Dunton and Brofton ladies. Uh, 3-0, they won the first half. Went out won the second half by three goals as well. Yeah, so they are through now to round two, which actually is this week's match, which is at home to Stockport. 1pm uh, kickoff on Sunday. At Emory Stadium. They also should have played a staff's cup tie in between that against the home to Litchfield, but that was postponed due to a waterlogged pitch. And there shouldn't be a waterlogged pitch in next week's game. So, not this weekend, but next weekend, the ladies' team are actually playing at the Bet365 Stadium. Taking on Nottingham Forest, 1 pm. If you do want to go to that game, you need to book tickets. So, if you're a season ticket holder, you're getting free, but you do need to book a ticket in advance okay so if you want to go there you've got to get yourself a ticket before the day so internationals now there was nine stoke players out on international duty uh, a lot of them quite young as to be honest um and the ones who were a bit older there's only really daniel johnson who's been figuring in the first team of late so yeah he went over and he played canada they played canada home and away uh, in the Concacaf nations league it was quarter final tie now, the first game, incidentally, was delayed. Now, I don't know if you've seen the pictures or the videos for this, but it is quite amusing. So, <laughs> they, they played um, Canada in uh, Jamaica first, and the, uh, they went out, and there was like a monsoon, like really heavy rain, and the referee went out to do a pitch inspection. Oh, it's brilliant. The, the pitch is literally underwater, like... It's not like puddles, but literally it's like underwater and the rest gone out there. Like, it's, <laughs> hmm, I wonder if this is playable. I'm sure you could have made that call from the stand. I'm sure you didn't have to go out over the ball and drive. You can't see the grass. So how you gonna... <laughs> then there's like a massive section of like a third of the pitch that's like completely underwater. Uh, so it's quite comical. What they did, they put that off. Uh, obviously, the Jamaican Sun got into it because they only put it off till the next morning where they uh, they played the game, I think it was 11am the following morning. Uh, Canada won that game. Daniel Johnson played 90 minutes and was actually uh, voted Jamaica's man of the match. So, 
Club as well. They did lose it 2-1. However, then they went through to they went to play the return leg in Canada, came back from 1-0 down in that game, so 3-1 on aggregates, came back to win 3-2 and progressed through to the semi-finals on go on away goals. Um with Daniel Johnson again playing 90 minutes. So yeah, he's got a couple of uh, couple of full games in for Jamaica. Uh Junior Chamadeo made his international debut for Cameroon in a World Cup qualifier as they beat uh, the Mauritius 3-0. So, yeah, he is a fully-fledged Cameroon international now. So, congratulations to him. And then he also played 58 minutes in the second game, Libya away. Uh, it was a 1-1 draw, and he actually played the left wing. Uh, so, he played the left wing, and Brian Mbebo, who plays for Brentford, he is actually the man who came off the bench to replace him on the left wing. So he was preferred to start the game instead of him. So he looks like he's making uh, making a decent impression, isn't it? Uh, Jordan Thompson. So he also was at the Northern Ireland senior team. He played 76 minutes as they lost 4-0 at Finland. And then when they beat Denmark 2-0, he came off the bench for the last nine minutes just to help them see out that victory. Um, for Michael O'Neill's side, so congratulations to him getting a getting a much needed victory, I think. Uh, now, some more the rest of you, more youthful uh, internationals. So Ali Hayden scored for Iraq's under twenties and they beat Syria, and also played a second game against the same opposition. Two victories there for them. Adam Watson scored New Zealand under seventeen. It's only goal at the World Cup. He started and played all three group games. Like I say, they only scored the once there as they eliminated from the tournament, but Adam Watson did get that goal. Uh, Tommy Simkin was an unused substitute for England under 20s against Italy and Germany, uh, which is the same for Jake Griffin. Oh, he got a call up to the Republic of Ireland under 19 side. They had three matches. He was an unused sub in all of them. Um, Nikola Jojic for Serbia under 20s uh, didn't feature versus England or Luxembourg in those two games. Uh, Matt Baker, who's on loan at Newport, he got called up for Wales under-21s, and he played the full 90 minutes in both games they played, which was a 1-0 win over Iceland, and a 2-1 home defeat to Denmark. Uh, and yes, I believe that is everybody. I think I've covered everyone there. Michael O'Neill's not having a great time with Northern Ireland, is he? I, to be honest, I don't think he's got much to work with, to be fair to him. <laughs> I think well, he, they've, they've lost a lot of their experienced players. Losing to Kazakhstan, uh, only, well, I mean, San Marino, okay, you won that one, fair enough. Like, who doesn't beat San Marino? Um, <laughs> you know, lost to Slovenia, lost 4 nil to Finland, 2 nil to Denmark, sorry, uh, to nil nil win against Denmark. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I've got nothing against Michael O'Neill. Uh, it just didn't work out, but, uh, yeah. Yeah, not, I think, not, not doing great. Yeah, I think that obviously his his side that he had that he was so successful with was built around a sort of a solid spine, and he had a, a lot of experienced players in those key positions down the middle, and then he could build around it. And I think they all sort of grew old together, and this is now sort of like a rebirth of another squad. I think he even said last week that they're going to have to take some tough times to then get the good times later on when these lads have got a bit more experience. Uh, I think that 2-0 game against Denmark actually just takes the pressure off him a little bit and the squad as well just maybe gives him a bit of breathing room. I think that might do him the wonders, the wonder of good. So, yeah, good luck to him. I hope he does well. 
Um, we've got nothing against him at all. I thought he did a he did a, a real solid job at Stoke in some really testing times when he was manager here. Um, now on to something else. So Stoke versus Swansea. So we've agreed reciprocal pricing. So I believe is it's going to be twenty pound for an adult ticket in them games. So when they come to Stoke, we'll be charging them that, and then when we go to Swansea. They have, uh, they've promised obviously to charge us the same amount. Surely it should be a, it should be a gimme, shouldn't it, Larry? It should be across the board these prices. It's brilliant. I, I, I think it's fantastic that they've they've agreed that with us. Affordable prices. Nobody wants to be paying thirty five, forty pounds to watch a championship game, do they? Twenty. I mean, I remember when when some Premier League clubs, albeit some of the, some of the lower. Um, in in the division, Premier League clubs used to used to do these prices with us. I remember Bolton did one, Wigan Athletic did did a twenty pounder with us as well. We did have twenty pound away tickets with with West Brom. But um, yeah, coming back to your original point, just good ideas works both ways for us, and and it'd be nice to see some of the other Championship clubs knocking their heads together and doing the same thing. Yeah, take note, Coventry City. Yeah, I think we've been uh, quite vocal on on away ticket prices, haven't we, Mike? And um, do do you do you think this twenty pound? I mean, why 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 can't we just have it everywhere? Why can't the league just DFL just come in and say, you know what? In the Premier League, it's thirty pound maximum away ticket. In the FL, it's twenty. That's it. It's twenty pound. £20 is your maximum you'll be charging an away fan and we'll get more away fans in the ground and we'll get better atmospheres you'll all benefit why can't they do that? Um, greed clubs not being run properly everyone running at stupid losses I think it's a number of things I think greed definitely comes into it um, I, I, I was trying to find a table of all the different championship prices for for matches, and I can't I can't get my hands on one, but um, I'm sure the likes of Leeds and stuff aren't far behind. But I, I think that's what it is, Dan. Mixture of greed, mixture of clubs being run badly, which means they need every single penny. Um, mixture of fans pressure, demanding millions being spent on players when probably they shouldn't be spending it, um, and trying to keep up with the rest of the division. Um, I think there's there's a combination of things. Uh, I'm sure even the Coventry fans themselves know it's ridiculous, right? I mean, I use, we use Coventry. I'm sure there's more more clubs out there like this, right? But um, I'm sure they wouldn't want anyone being charged that. Um, to be honest, but yeah, yeah. But to be fair to the Coventry fans, you know they not having a go at them personally. You know they don't set the prices, do they? It's um, like I say just attached to their club that the pricing structure seems to have. Been skewed slightly, <laughs> right? So, loanee review. You know, we like to loan it. You get a review of how one of our young lads are getting out on loan. Well, this week we've got a review from a Chester fan who's going to tell us how Tom Sparrow has been getting on. Okay, hello, Stoke fans. Hello, listeners to the Every Step Along the Way podcast. My name's James. I'm a Chester fan, and hopefully, I can give you a little bit of insight into how Tom Sparrow has performed over his loan spell here. So he joined us initially in September and he has played almost exclusively at right back for us, mainly as cover for another name you'll probably know quite well in former Stoke man Kieran Coates, who himself has been excellent when he has played and has started largely ahead of Sparrow when fit. 
but he's really struggled with injury problems in recent times. So Sparrow has sort of found himself almost shoehorned into that right-back slot. He made his debut there against Blythe and played very, very well, getting forward really well, looking very assured on the ball, putting a lot of very nice crosses into the area. And I think we all came out of that game thinking, you know, Stoke have sent us a gem here on loan. Unfortunately, after that, he entered into a little bit of a rough patch where... He had a run of games where, for whatever reason, he stopped showing that same level of impetus that he showed in his debut. He started playing very conservatively. He'd often receive the ball and hesitate for a few moments before passing it sideways or backwards. I don't really know why. I don't know why he sort of stopped getting forward as well as he did in his first game. I don't know whether he was under instruction to do so or not to do so, should I say. But it wouldn't really make much sense for him to be because we normally play with a diamond formation in which, obviously, there is a lot of onus on the fullbacks to get forward to provide that width, that attacking threat. So I imagine it might be more due to simply a lack of confidence. But I won't lie, there were a few fans who began to actually question what he offered, what he added to the team. But to his credit, after that, he did begin to turn things around back in his favour because the team embarked on a seven-game unbeaten run. Most of those games Sparrow played in and indeed played well in, beginning to show once again the sort of play that we thought we were getting from Stoke. I do have actually a nice little personal anecdote relating to Tom Sparrow. Um, A couple of weeks ago, we had an away game at Darlington and on the motorway there, the players' coach broke down. So for a period in the journey, the players actually had to come on board the supporters' coach that I was on. Long story short, there were more players than there were seats and so Sparrow, bless him, ended up sat on the floor right next to me. He took it very well. He was there, he was having a laugh, having a joke with the fans on board. So further kind of endearing himself to us there. And actually, in that Darlington game itself, he started on the bench, but came on at half-time in place of yet another former Stoke man in Joel Taylor and spent much of the second half playing at left-back. And I've got to say, I was really quite impressed with him playing there, especially considering we hadn't seen him there before. I think he was one of the better performers in an otherwise poor showing from the team. So I'd quite like to see him again there at left-back in future to try and take the pressure off Taylor a bit. I would also like to see him at some point in central midfield. He hasn't played there at all yet. And that is mainly because we've actually got three of the very best central midfielders in the division. So I don't think it should be any kind of slight on him that he hasn't managed to get into our team in that area. All three of those midfielders, in my view, are good enough to play in the football league. And between them, they've got hundreds of appearances under their belt at this level. So... Whether he'll get to play there at any point, I don't know. Perhaps if we have injuries in that position, he might do. Whether or not he's good enough to make it at Stoke long-term isn't really for me to say in all honesty because I think the skill set required to play in non-league is very different to the skill set required to play in the football league and in the championship in particular. But the fundamentals are certainly there. As I say, he's very composed. He's good on the ball. He's got good sort of positional awareness. And I think you can tell that he has learned his trade at a much higher level than the level he's currently playing at. He doesn't seem to have that same kind of brashness and rawness that you might expect from a youngster who hasn't played much first-team football. He's not the biggest or the most physical, but he doesn't seem to get bullied either, which I think ought to be seen as another real feather in his cap when you consider the kind of bruising forwards that he's come up against during his time here. He's a really likeable guy. 
and I would certainly wish him all the best for the future, whether it's at Stoke, whether it's at Chester or whether it's anywhere else entirely. As I say, I think he's got all the tools to have a good career. The only constructive kind of comment I will say is that if his future is at fullback, I would like to see him kind of grab the ball by the horns a bit more in games. He's a reliable presence, but he's not the most impactful presence, if you get what I'm saying at the moment in time. Like I say, I don't think it's down to ability. I think it's just down to confidence. I really would like to see him kick on even further in an attacking sense. Thank you very much for that. Um, yeah, interesting. So he's showing signs of, of, of being a great player, uh, especially, like I say, at that level, National League North. Coming in, looking like an absolute star, as you would expect for somebody who's got, you know, not a handful of championship experience under his belt, not massively, and obviously some decent sort of Scottish League level. But then his game sort of drifts off a little bit. Now, maybe that, that if he doesn't sort that out, that could be what costs him a, a professional sort of career, couldn't it, in the long run? Yeah, I, th- I think so. Uh, if forget we're going to be trying to aim for being a promotion side, whether it's now or next season. Um, and I think he's one of them players that's going to get left behind again. Maybe it's just a... Yeah, one that never quite made it. Uh, it, it might be a bad, bit of bad timing on on Sparrow's part, uh, not out of any fault for his. You know, we it's a big, big jump from like we've said this about Simkin and Cove, haven't we? Like, it's a big jump from to go from that level to Championship. You know, League One to Championships hard enough. Never mind that level. So, it will time will tell. I just think we might be a club at a different level and different aspirations now where we simply need proven players in his position, but time will tell. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I think he, even if he doesn't get a career with Stoke, I'd like to, I'd like him to get one, you know, a, a, a League One, League Two level or whatever. Um, he seems he seems to have a real sort of you know, easiness about him and, and connection with supporters. I mean, he was on loan at Hamilton Monty last year, and there were stories about when they won the uh, won the cup up there, and and he was celebrating with the fans and drinking and singing with the fans, you know, celebrating that that success. And then obviously you hear the story there, don't you, Larry, that we've just had, where you know the coaches broke down, and so the players have jumped on a supporters' coach to to finish to get to the ground, and he's sort of, you know, he's not sort of playing the big man, and you know, get out, you know, I need, I'm going to play football, you need, I need a seat. He's sort of sat in the aisle, and the coach just chatting to the fans. So he seems like a really good character as well, and you know, someone you'd, you'd like to see him succeed just for just for them kind of things. No, I agree. Uh... Seems like quite a humble character and one that the 
the fans that can connect with that that's always important with a footballer I feel having that connection uh, with the supporters but um yeah interesting to get the feedback from from the uh from the fan on on your audio there how it started so well and he was um getting in wide areas getting getting into crossing areas good quality crosses and then over the next few games just drifted out i, I wonder um of course uh, there is there is a physicality issue perhaps there certainly when i've seen snippets of him when he's when he's made cameo appearances for stoke where i thought yeah perhaps technically uh, he's okay he's a tidy player seems quite um at ease on the ball but i, I i'm worried about the physicality side of things um which which perhaps as a manager in the lower leagues um becomes a real key aspect and they, and they funnily seem to be collecting ex-Stoke fullbacks there, don't they? Sparrow fighting it out with uh, Joel Taylor and, and Kieran Coates. <laughs> and then they're in the fullback positions. Um, now, any uh, other business, I think we would be amiss not to mention a certain Nathan Heaney. Stoke on Trent, a British champion boxer, of course. Um Stadium fight coming next summer, it seems. I'm rubbing my hands here. I can't wait. It's uh, yeah. Did did you did, you watched the fight? Didn't you, Matt? Did you did you see it, Larry? Loved it. Yeah. Again, Stoke fans there in their masses, having a good time, cheering him on every single step of, of the way, and um, he he looked dare I say comfortable. Uh, at that level, he seemed in control of the fight. I was a bit, was a bit worried looking at the statistics beforehand. Bentley had a good knockout ratio, and um, you were perhaps worried about uh, him catching Heaney. But uh, uh, he he really built into the fight well. looked looked strong. Picked his shots well, and um, saw a, a few moments of showboat from him. Uh, again towards the latter stages so um clearly he was comfortable and we were all wondering uh, and uh, to see what, what what was going to be said at the end uh, after the verdict and he, he got the decision uh, to see what's going to happen next so um yeah touch touch wood for the the bet 365 I, I really hope he does it and he gets the opportunity because I can seriously see us selling that stadium out for him See, I, I thought, I mean, again, I, Dan knows full well, like, look, boxing-wise, I openly admit that I know very, very little about it. Um, I've not, I've watched Nathan live uh, with, because he's pretty much best friends with one of my mates uh, from work. Um, so, you know, he's obviously invited me down to go and watch Nathan once in a first experience live of a boxing match, uh, boxing fight. I, I, I keep being told off for using the word match when it comes to, foot, <laughs> to, to boxing. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was about. It was about, first, about. about. It was about, okay, right, I'll, I'll learn the terminology, give me time. Um, 
But yeah, honestly, I absolutely loved it. Uh, and uh, Nadine, the wife, she she hates sports in general, right? Uh, which actually is a good thing because I get some peace and quiet away from her sometimes. Um, but like she uh, she doesn't like it, and we were both sat there shouting at the screen. She's like, "There's no way, no way he's lost that round, no way." I'm like, "What the hell? Where's this beast come from?" So Nathan's got um, a lot to answer for, actually, for starting to get the wife into a bit of boxing so now we need to go to the bet 365 to watch it but yeah it's someone who's, who's not a fan um we both sat not not a fan for any particular reason just boxing's just never been a thing in our family but um yeah i absolutely loved it mate it was it was a great couple of hours in front of the tv how uh the guy at the end coming out and thinking he disagreed with the score and i don't know what planet he was on he wasn't even close like nathan boston so he needs to uh, suck it up and accept when he's just been easily defeated for me. But anyway, it's a Stoke City podcast, I suppose. So <laughs> I'll shut up now. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're all going, are we? All going back through six five stadium. Yeah, yeah, we'll go in the. Uh, well, there'll be some podcast VIP night there. out. There yeah. you go. Well, that's what we'll do then. We'll, we'll have a look at the VIP stuff. We'll see how much it is uh, when it comes in, and maybe we'll get like a big collective little mini box or something for the match. How about that? For the bout. Yeah, all right. Sorry, bout. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's, it's, it's just a natural default. Carry on. <laughs> there you go, Nathan. You sold three tickets already. Tell Frank Warren. You've already got three tickets sold. Maybe even VIP ones as well. Mark's splashing out. He's, he's taking me and Laurie out for the night. Um, but yeah, best of luck. And uh, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure when anything gets mentioned, uh, Stoke will be all over it, won't they? So we'll, we'll keep you informed on this podcast because uh, he's definitely got a growing fan base amongst all the Stokies and outside of Stoke as well now. Uh, right, let's get into Blackburn. So, Blackburn Rovers at home. We have played Blackburn 101 times. We have 40 wins, 17 draws and 44 defeats. At home, though, we have 29 wins, 8 draws and just 13 losses. For recent times, we've lost just one of the last seven home and away games against Blackburn. Dating back to 1986, it's been 13 home games since we last had a draw against Blackburn. Won eight and lost five. So yes, we don't uh, we don't share the spoils very often when they come to town. So Alex Neal against John Dahl Thompson, the 3-2 home win last season was the only meeting between the two managers. Uh, so yeah, Alex Neal's got one up on that one. Uh, and his games against Blackburn as manager, Neil has played played them nine times. And listen to this, lads. Seven wins, or one draw, and just one defeat from them nine matches. Uh, and there have also been five goals in three of the last four Alex Neil home games against Blackburn. So we could be in for a humdinger, yes. Let's hope there's some goals flying in on Saturday. Uh, John Dahl Thomason, he has managed Stoke against Stoke twice. Yeah, Stoke did the double over in last season under two different managers. Obviously, we aforementioned uh, Alex Neal victory at home. Uh, well, also Dean Holden's one game in charge saw his win at Ewood Park. So Stoke's home form. So eight games a season. We have 13 points to put us 13th in the championship home table. We uh, This season, we played 10 home games. We won the first four. We lost the next three. And we've won the three after that. So, 
do we keep that run going to make it four wins, or are we now going to start on a a, a not not as good run? Maybe are we going to have like four draws or four defeats? Let's hope that we can uh, keep the wins coming. Blackburn's away form last eight games. They've had eight games away from home in the league, thirteen uh, points, which puts them fifth in the away table. Only Middlesbrough, 32 and Norwich 37, have had more goals in their away games than Blackburn's 27. So, yeah, they're averaging nearly three and a half goals per game away from home. That's that's scored and conceded before you, before you lads have a heart attack on one day. They score nearly four a game. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, the last five matches, though, uh, we are fourth in the form table with 11 points. Whereas Blackburn are eight with nine points in the last five games. So two teams in pretty decent form. Now, this stat actually surprised me. Stoke have had more long passes attempted, 1,492, than any other championship side. I didn't realise we were like peak Pulis ball here. It must have passed me by a bit. <laughs> He's doing it on the sly. I've not really noticed. <laughs> Um, Blackburn have had more passes into the penalty box, 207, than any other championship side. So they like to sort of say get the ball into the box. They're not sort of faffing around with it, are they? Like other sides, they seem to be, you know, like getting forward and getting in, getting into dangerous areas. Uh, last season, Keon Hoover trebled his career goal tally in this match. Uh, he has since doubled that tally again. So, yeah, well done to. Keanu Hoover, hopefully say Henry can get himself on the score sheet again. Um, Blackburn's um, non-penalty XG this season is 25.0, which is only beaten by Ipswich and Leeds. So, yeah, their their expected goals, they say only Ipswich and Leeds have gotten to better chances, shall we say, more often. Uh, Stoke are a lowly 18th in that table with 16.8. Uh, Blackburn have conceded 26, but their XG says they should have only conceded 23.3. So maybe the goalkeeper's not doing a greater job, as he should be. Uh, Stoke have conceded 18, but the XG says they should have conceded 20.8. So on the other hand, Stoke's goalkeepers are actually doing a good job of keeping the chances out. Or the opposition aren't finishing the chances they're creating, one or the other. (laughs) Uh, Blackburn have missed their only penalty this season. Um... One of only two in the league that have not been either scored or saved by the goalkeeper. Uh, can anyone think of the other penalty this season that, that didn't hit the target? Mm, no, not sure about that. Can't remember a certain Patrick Bamford. Oh, God, yeah, just a little bit. Ah, they're still looking for that. <laughs> so, yeah, so Blackburn missed. There's only, only two penalties this season in the Championship that haven't been on target. Blackburn missed one of them, and obviously Patrick Bamford missed the other one. Uh, referee, now, Andrew Kitchen. Can either of you remember Andrew Kitchen? We have had him this season, haven't we? We have. So, he's one of the new referees. Uh, he's only played, I think he must be on about 60 games. I think he was like high 50s when we had him the other week. Uh, but yeah, this season he's ref 12 games, give 32 yards out, one red, and give three penalties, six home wins, Four draws and two away wins. One of those away wins was Middlesbrough nil, Stoke City two. Uh, so yeah, so he refed us in that match when we won two nil. It's the only game he's ever refed Stoke, uh, and the only game he's ever refed Blackburn in was also earlier this season 
uh, when they won 5-2 at home in a League Cup tie against Cardiff in September. He's uh, yeah got 100% record for both sides. Uh, if you look on the EFL website, they list his biggest achievements as being the fourth official in the 2019 County Cup final and refing the 2023 FA Sunday Cup final. So it says to me that I think he may have got promoted quite quickly. Fair play to him. He obviously he, he did a good enough job for me away at Middlesbrough. I don't remember anything terrible happening there. I thought the referee was quite anonymous on that game, which uh, always helps, doesn't it? So refs should be, really, you know, seen and not noticed, if you like. So, on this day, it's an interesting one, this one. It's also quite relevant as well, because it features Blackburn Rovers. So, Saturday, the 25th of November, 1922. The match away at Blackburn Rovers was abandoned with the score 1-0 in favour of the hosts. Stokes' train had been delayed, and they were forced to take two taxis, one of which then broke down. (laughs) So the team arrived 32 minutes late, and the match had to be abandoned due to bad light with only four minutes remaining. So the game was abandoned, four minutes to go, Blackburn 1-0 up. Stoke then won the replay game 5-1. Robbery. That is (laughs) S-housery of the highest order. Got a broken train, broken down train, broken down taxis. And then uh, four minutes left. The, the game's too dark. Sorry, we're going to have to call it off. And then you go have the audacity to come and hammer him in the replay match. All in the plan. <laughs> we must have had some injuries that day. It's actually make him take the long route. <laughs> Quick flash his tyres. Oh, we broke down. Sorry about that. Right, let's get more into the game. But before we give you our thoughts, we're going to listen to Graham. And then also Dan from the Blackburn Podcast. Hello there, you Potters predictors. Let's hope you've enjoyed your international break. Been watching a few of those national teams try to compete and get themselves into uh, next season's Euros, of course. But uh, it's all about league action and championship football as Blackburn Rovers come to the Bet365. A game that if Stoke can win... You could be a top 10 side by 5 o'clock Saturday night. And that is the incentive for the players, the fans and Alex Neal to keep that run going. Stoke City, of course, will have plenty of players to choose from. It's going to be interesting what side is confirmed at uh, 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. But for me, the team that Alex Neal picks, whoever he picks, whoever he selects, are going to be good enough for a Blackburn Rovers side who are not having the best of runs. And they either win or lose they've only drawn one game this season and there'll be no draw come Saturday afternoon either when they take on Stoke City the Potters doing it quite comfortably for me Stoke 2 Blackburn nil. Hi this is Dan from Rovers Church giving my thoughts ahead of Stoke City vs Blackburn Rovers on Saturday Rovers go into this game after a disappointing loss to Preston last time in the Lancashire Derby although Rovers played quite well we couldn't take the you know, take the chances we had, and that's become quite a theme of the season so far. We've created a lot of chances. I know some people don't like XD, but we're pretty high up on that. We do have Sammy Smaddix, who's reached double figures like no one else in this league. But when he's not on the game or if he's not scoring, we lack another player to put the ball in the net. And that's kind of been the reason Rovers are where they are. I can see Saturday being the same. Rovers like to come out early. We like to try and put the pressure on the team, especially away from home. 
expect us to have a lot of the ball early on, expect us to try and create a lot of chances. If we get that early goal, I think we go on and win it. If we don't, then that's where Rovers seem to then concede. And coming from behind has never been a positive thing in Rovers' game. Only four points have been picked up from losing positions so far this season, so obviously it shows the first goal is very key for Rovers, and that's what Jandal tries to introduce. I'm expecting we'll play quite a similar team to the one we played out last time, although we have got the return of our centre-back Hayden Carter and our left-back Harry Pickering, both who are key players to this side, and to be fair, we really need them back. We're very short on players in other positions. We've got strikers out, we've got midfielders out, nearly every position's got an injury, so... Expect a Rovers side that maybe has a few different names than you've usually seen at Rovers, but it'll still be a side that'll put the commitment in, put the effort in. Don't get me wrong, they keep working for the side, but he's putting the ball in there. That's the issue. If I had to go for a prediction, I'd probably go for... I'll go for a 1-1. I'll go for a uh, Sammy Smodic to score for Rovers, but it could go anywhere. When I say we're unpredictable, we really are. Thank you for listening to my thoughts. Hopefully it's a good game and all the best for the rest of the season. Cheers, Dan, and thank you to Graham as ever. Uh, right now, lads, what are we thinking for this game? How are we? Uh, what are we thinking of the setup? Are we going to stop Rangers, stop Rovers from from breaking this impenetrable defence that we've got, Laurie? More of the same defensively, of course. Um, no need to reinvent the wheel on this one defensively, but we need to be more clear cut. Um, Attacking wise, I mean, the game does suggest goals. Uh, they've been very good in their last three away games. I saw beat Norwich, beat Millwall, and thrashed QPR. And we're looking in good shape at home in the last three home matches, seven out of, uh, of the last nine points. So, yeah, I'd like to say goals. Um, I do want us to keep these these clean sheets and keep things tight at the back. Um, so, yeah, hopefully our fortunes change slightly um, in front of goal and we start to execute. What about yourself, Mike? I mean, obviously, we, you know, we mentioned earlier on, you know, Lewis Baker, Tyrese Campbell, back in full training, possibly back in around the squad. Uh, Ryan Mai, you expect he'd be now fit. Would you... Would you be looking to involve any of them, even on the bench at all? Obviously, Ryan. Mike. So, I think for me, Ryan, I think starts. Um, the likes of Tyrese and Baker do not come in under any circumstances for me. Uh, I think it would be stupidly harsh. Um, I know people will probably point to like Daniel Johnson um, not having a great few games, and I'd have to agree with them. Uh, I think that Alex trusts him far too much to to consider dropping him. So I don't think we're going to see probably hardly any changes. I just think that you know Ryan, he he offers. We've talked about him a few times recently. He offers that runner, the solidity. He can hold the ball up. Um, you create to the players. I think we get best out of Vidigal when uh, when Ryan's playing, which you know Vidigal's been off the you know, off the pace a little bit, if you like. Despite the fact, actually, he's had very few opportunities to to get a shot in on goal. If you if you really looked at it, so I think the easy one for me is you don't change the team hardly at all. Uh, you just bring in Ryan May. I think up up front. Um, 
I struggle to see beyond it. Baker and Campbell, uh, they can go on the bench. Um, like I said, the, the, none of them can complain. Baker's going to be a long time before he's back up to full strength. He probably needs a handful of under-21 games, you know, maybe make the odd 10-minute cameo appearance, stuff like that. Um, because let's face it, Josh Loren's got to be ahead of, of Baker right now. Um, so he's going to have to really bust the gut to get him back in this team. Other than that, I don't, I don't think you can change much else, Dan, if I'm honest. I think it'd be it'd be too harsh to change anything else. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, one mention, you mentioned Daniel Johnson there. I mean, Laurie, could you think that his international exploits and obviously, you know, going flying to Jamaica, to Canada, back to England. I mean, that game against Canada was played in the early hours of Wednesday morning, sort of you know, British time. Could there be some sort of jet lag kind of situation going on where he's, you know, not quite as as sprightly as, as normal and, you know, the manager might decide to leave him out for that possibly? Yeah, I think there's going to be a knock-on effect. Um, slight fatigue, for, perhaps. I, I've gone for Pearson, Berger and, uh, and Loren just based on that, really. Um, could be wrong, of course. And uh, as as you've said, uh, Mike, we know how much Neil puts his faith in Johnson. So um, he has been slightly out of form. I do like him, though, on the whole. And I think he'll find form again, but maybe, maybe with Loren coming on and and being an impactful sub over the last few games, I think he does deserve a start. So I'd be going for that three, um, Pearson, Berger, and, and Loren. That that would be my particular choice. How about um, Juno, Laurie, instead of uh, Johnson? I wouldn't be against that, or even for me. One thing you could say is Haksabanovich coming in, uh, like we mentioned, I think a couple of weeks ago. Uh, we've, I think, we've got alternatives in that attacking midfield spot that Johnson has. So Juno or Haksabanovich for me, I think, would work just as well as Johnson, if not potentially better. Yeah, yeah, yeah perhaps, perhaps I, I, I do I like him. He's he's very raw. In in the division, and he's still kind of finding his feet. He he shows some moments of absolute brilliance. In fact, um, and if you take it all the way back to the Bristol City game, where he came on and made the difference and and took an assist for Below's winning goal, uh, magical moments. Um, for me, more of an impact sub. I would say I do like Haksavanovic. Um, I think we need to pick his game uh, because perhaps he, he does provide a bit of that kind of uh, luxury player factor. I think what, what you would get uh, if if you're looking at, at players in probably attacking wider positions, um, Mehdi Lloris is going to give you probably a bit more for your games and money in terms of consistency and Vidigal is your match winner. And I did, uh, I did pick Ryan, um, my up top as well so yeah I, I mean there's there's food there's food for thought definitely I just think with with how we're going to have to play against Blackburn you know they're, they're going to come at us right they're, they're absolutely not going to sit behind the ball which is what I alluded to earlier on I think that's 
absolutely perfect for us. Uh, we we don't want them teams sitting back. So I think what we're going to find is the way that we've you know we've broken down a number of teams, let them come at us a little bit, and then we need to use a little bit of guile, a bit of quality, a bit of pace. Um, and I, I just think if I if if I imagine a breakaway and I think we've got three players you know up front, so two two strikers and midfielder uh, as part of them three, I think I'd choose Haksabanovic and Juno over Johnson in that breakaway. Obviously, you want Vidigal on one side, you'd probably want Larice on the other. Um, I just think that's what that's that's, what, that's what's going to happen. We're going to let them play the ball around. We're going to let them try and break us down. We're going to look to pick the ball up and very quickly break on them. And you need pace and you need quality to do that effectively. And I, I just think that we can allow for maybe the little bit less solidity that, you know, I think Johnson gives you a little bit more solidity uh, in that mid, but I think we can let Berger and, you know, Pearson deal with that. I just think that free role is this is this is exactly the game where you want that free role and that creativity for me uh, to to capitalize. So I, I just think that's with with the game how it's going to flow and how we're going to be. We need the quality going forward. Johnson, I just don't think has that that cutting edge that's going to choose the right pass at the right time for me. Yeah, I think basically I feel that this game. We've said, haven't we, you know, how many goals Blackburn have got you know, in their away games. They aren't scared of coming forward. Like I say 207 penalty box penetrations. Stoke is seventh in that list, 140, by the way. So we're not adverse to getting the box ourselves. For me, I don't think we can carry any passengers going in the attacking areas. And if I remember rightly, I don't think that Daniel Johnson was fantastic after the last international break. I think it took him out of his legs a bit in that that first game back, especially. So, for me, like I say, we can't carry any passengers. I haven't got him in my side. Um, I'll give you my team shortly and tell you who I've got in there. But in the long run, do you not think this position could be per- like perfect for Lewis Baker? Oh yeah, we've seen how well, well good Baker can be on the, on the attacking front. Where, where Baker let himself down was trying to do a bit of attacking, bit of defence, bit of box to box, and he he, he was jack of all trades, master of none in, in the end. Um, so yeah, a hundred, I can see it. I, it just makes me wonder why. I mean, again, Josh has had a bad seat, uh, a bad number of games. I would say bad season's probably a bit harsh, but he's not been great. Uh, could you argue that Josh could do that though? Do you know what I mean? If if he's just focusing on that attacking bit. I think he's a good player, Loren, but I think he's more of a box-to-box kind of player. I think he's more like your energy of, you know, getting up and down the field. Uh, Whereas I think, to me, you can probably get away with a midfield where Berger... He sort of provides that sort of energy in there. And I think if you, Lewis Baker, if you sort of let him sort of dictate the play at number 10, getting into the box when he's got people like Vidigal, Ryan Mai, you know, Larissa around him, you've got crosses coming in from full-backs, um, not so much Andrew Stevens, but someone like a Henry putting balls in the box and Baker being able to get in there and support Mai. I think he'd love that role. I think he'd you'd be seeing double-figure goals from him over the course of the season. Um, you know, I, I, I thought he was our 
done to last season, to be honest. I, I don't know where the the talk about his attitude and stuff like that came from that people were on about. I didn't personally see any of that. Uh, I don't know if people know more than I do, but I didn't, like I said, I didn't personally see that. And I just, I just thought, but it all made sense to me when he came out that he'd been injured and he'd been carrying this injury for, you know, 75-80% of last season. Uh, his, his form dipped just when they said that this injury flared up. And he just, I think he just affected his mobility, but as captain and in a squad that was heavily hindered by FFP, he just probably felt he had to soldier on for the for the good of the club and just try and get through it as much as he could without surgery. That was a real confusion, wasn't it? Because we were starting to see Baker coming off the bench and then whoever was uh, at the time we were rotating the captaincy an awful lot. Baker was coming on and then taking the captaincy, uh, taking the captain's armband. So, yeah, there there was so much confusion with that. So, uh, I mean, it makes makes perfect sense with what you're saying now. Um, he can be so impactful, though. Uh, his physical attributes and technical attributes, I, I feel, suit the championship down to a ground uh, down to the ground. Um, he can really have an influence on games, and and he can be the real difference. Um, Baker Baker can be as good as he wants to be in in our team and in the division. Um, he he just needs to find his form back that he had when he first arrived. I believe maybe seven or eight goals in in that second half of the season when he arrived at at, at Stoke um, initially. If he could find that form, he could drive this football club back into the playoffs um, and into real contention. But it's how how much does he want it? How much does he want to put in the hard yards after after injury and coming back from rehab? I, I think he'll be well up for it, mate. I, I genuinely do. Like he, he, he's looking fit. Like people watched him in training and and whatnot. He, he's looking fit, right? Um, so I think he's he's not going to be wanting to move on. I mean, I, you know, when when he joined Stoke Baker, um, he he gave up a lot, right? You know, his his contract with I think with Chelsea and stuff. You know, he he actively got himself out of that um, to his own detriment. You know, he. He moved him and his family down. Like he doesn't want to keep moving around every club every twelve months. It's no good for him. It's probably no good for his family. Like I think if there's an opportunity and the manager still rates him and the manager still sees a place for him, I absolutely think he's going to try. Um, he just needs to be taking those chances as soon as he gets them. Uh, so it's it's a great problem to have, isn't it? I suppose. I think it's it's quite a different. Um... Like picture that he's walking into as well now, isn't he, with this squad? Whereas we were saying last season, we didn't have the strength and depth, we didn't have the uh, finances available to go out there and, and you know bring in other players and competition for him in those areas. I think now him and Campbell have got a fight to get on the bench, let alone on the pitch, because the squad is so much, you know, we've filled out the squad so much, and especially in attacking areas, we've got loads of talent now. And that'll be good for him because I think he's not got the pressure of him having to perform to because we've got nobody else. He's got to perform now for his own for himself. And he's got to perform now for himself to push himself back into that side. And like I say, he'll be driven by that. Um 
And like I say, there are other options out there now. So I think that's that's a positive for me. I think he'll react well to it. Um, on the Blackburn play, by the way, just one other thing to mention is they've got, uh, when it comes to passing forward, they're quite similar to what we said about Coventry, in that as they come forward, I think they've got the third highest number of passes it, like progressive passes so they don't want to sort of dribble forward with the ball they'll, they'll attack in numbers so they, they get many men forward and they'll pass, you know they'll pass the ball to feet they don't they're not big at running at players they just sort of move quite technical in that respect yet what they do do is they concede a lot of uh, when they're in defense a lot of the opposition have they have high numbers of people running at them? It's the way that works out is that you're leaving gaps in behind because people are running into those gaps. Um, so yeah, let's hope that that is the case because I think that people like Vidigal, Larice, um, even Ryan Mai, and stuff like that, whoever does get that sort of number 10 position kind of thing, if you like, uh, I think they'll love love it if, like, say, Blackburn is sending the fullbacks forward and you know getting people forward, leaving gaps uh, for them to run into. I think we all majorly benefit from that. And if it is an end-to-end game, I do fancy our attacking talent to really put on a bit of a show. Uh, it's been a few games since we've you know really sort of lit up um, and you know, scored a few goals. And we were on a big good run, but since we you know, put three or four goals past somebody, it's been a while. So, yeah, given the opportunity to be nice, I think uh, it could be a bit of a humdinger. Uh, do you want my side? Anyone? Yeah, go for it. No, not interested. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to keep, obviously, the back four of the goalkeeper stays the same as always has uh, for the last few matches. So that's Bonham, Henry, McNally, Rose, Stevens. Uh, going to have Pearson and Berger just, you know, in the midfield too, if you like. Uh, Larice on the right, Vinegar on the left, and Haksabanovic in the middle. The beauty of that being that all three of them can interchange and move around, as can the striker, which is Ryan Mai. Um, on the bench, obviously, we've got Tommy Simkin as my subkeeper, Kyron Clark, Lyndon Gooch, Josh Loran, Daniel Johnson, Lewis Baker, Wesley, Tyrese Campbell, and Bay, which means there's no place on there for Gale. Uh, no place on there for junior. So yes, it's um, starting to fill up that bench, isn't it? No, no Jordan Thompson on there either. Mm. Um, yeah, I, yeah. It's one of them. I'm just thinking defensive midfield cover when Ben Pearson gets booked. I suppose Josh could always do that. Maybe um, we've got other options, obviously. But I mean, again, Berger could could play there if needs Gooch. be. The Thompson, uh, Goot, yeah, yeah, maybe. Um, uh, we've, I suppose, we've got op- options uh, which can come in. Uh, Gail being missing is, uh, well, whatever. Um, I've already made my feelings clear on Dwight Gale's future at this club for me. So yeah, I, I think you're right. We've got a potentially really strong first eleven and strong bench. Nice position to be in for once, but. Um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a tight game. I know you haven't asked for predictions yet, but I'm going to jump ahead. Um, I've been flirting with this back and forward. My my head is saying 2-1, but unfortunately that means we, we concede, which um, I don't really want us to do. I want us to try and go for that target. So I'm going to upgrade in a way and go a Stoke 1-0 win. I think it will be tight, but I think when we... We will we will hit them on the break and we will score first and hold out with our strong defence. Laurie, 
team-wise, my team's very similar to yours, but I, I went for a midfield three, Pearson Berger. And I'm going to put Loren in there just because I think we need a strong structure uh, centrally. Um, just to kind of soak up a lot of play and and, and then, as as you've mentioned, just kind of sucker punch them on the counter-attack. Uh, Lloris Vidigal and Mai is kind of your forward three with your usual back five. Um, there'll be goals. I, I sadly feel that the, the clean sheet bonuses might not be paid this week. Um, I'm going for 2-1 Stoke, so it's a positive one because I've been talking about a lot of draws recently and that's been uh, annoying me that I've had to say that. But, you know, just my me chucking in my 50p's worth, 20p's worth. But, yeah, um, Stoke to go 2-0 up and then uh, to concede late. But, yeah, I think very much we need to uh, low block, allow them to overplay and... Yeah, we should be looking to hit them on counter-attacks. A nice low block. You're protecting Jack Bottom again, Laurie. <laughs> Ever so slightly. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think yeah that we're going to take advantage of the opportunities that come our way. I'm going to go for a 3-1 stone win. I would love to get us another clean sheet. I think I'd happily sacrifice one of the goals and for like, if we won 2-0. Uh, but yeah, I just think I think they will nick one, and I think we, uh, but I think we will be quite clinical on Saturday. I think we're going to win three or one. No, mm, okay. I'm going to get into the predictor league table and give you an, an update on that in a minute, Mark. But I'm going to make you suspense a bit longer, and I'm going to go super six first. So you have gained on me a little bit mm. again this week. You're only six points behind, so you're only one more week of me not doing this. Uh, but only unfortunately for you. I have actually already sold in this weekend's Super 6. Oh, you're getting your excuses in here, aren't you? Oh, I've not done it. No, I've, uh, already, done, I mean, I've already done this week, so I've already mm-hmm. done it. It's because I knew I'd forget. Yeah, yeah. So I only picked up six points last time out. You picked up nine. So I now have 138 and I'm in 51st. You've got 132 and I'm in 69th place. Uh, the top three is Michael Gadget. On... Sorry? Your favourite position, did you say? <laughs> Sorry, mate. Carry on. <laughs> Disgrace. I just did possession. And I looked and saw 69th and thought, oh, dear. <laughs> and, <laughs> this podcast is still... Carry on. <laughs> I'm going to put an explicit rating now on, so people are going to look at it and think, oh, what's been going on? Who's been, been on a sweary rant? We've been five games unbeaten. What's... <laughs> <laughs> Oh, gosh. Oh, well, I won't be in that position for very long. So, uh, yeah, move on. <laughs> That's what she says. <laughs> uh, <laughs> quick, quick, move on, run, go quick. <laughs> in first place is Michael Gadgeter with 177 points. In second place is Michael Hazeldean with 171. And joining him on 171 is Kevin Williams. Uh, so, yeah, a couple of new names up at the top of our Super 6 table there. Well done to you guys. Uh, Gaffer. So, I got 52 points the last round of Gaffer. It was 842 overall, which is 37th. Uh, leading the way, Stoke in Bay with 1267. At Jamie Gaffer, 1226. And at Thurgood Joe, 1217. Seems like we've got three solid names there. Been there a while. 
and the last game week's top score was 94 points. She came up to fourth overall, which was for Mr. Kadim. So well done to him. Now, predictor lead tables. Would you like to know of all the predictions we've made on Stoke Games this season where we where we all stand? Definitely, yeah. So, just to recap for anyone who doesn't know, if you get the result right, you get two points. And if you get the score correct, bang on, you get an extra five points bonus. So, you get seven. So, unfortunately, our guests who have joined us, we haven't had too many guests on this season. So, they've only been able to acquire six points um, because me and Mike have just decided to be antisocial and just do it amongst ourselves most weeks, haven't we, Mike? (laughs) We just don't want the competition, do we? Let's be honest. No. So there's six points there. Now, opposition supporters, they have racked up 29 points. So they've got three results bang on. All Stoke defeats, by the way, <laughs> um, which helped them. And then obviously they got four correct results as well. So it's 29. I have got 23 points. So I've got 23, I'm below the opposition fans. Graham has got 36 points. Now, wow. where, where do you think you sit in this table, Mike? If I'm honest, now I've heard Graham's, I thought I might have been high, but now I've heard Graham's, I'm a little bit concerned. I know I've got a correct result the other week, and then I backed it up with a, uh, with a uh, sorry, correct score, and then I backed it up with a correct result afterwards, I think, again. So that would have helped me. But oh, I don't feel like I'm even in the 30s now. So 36 for Graham, 29 opposition fans, 23 for me, 6 for our guests. You've got 19 points. Yeah, I didn't think I was that high. Yeah. That's so Graham's smashing it, mate. Graham is. He's, he's, he's got, I think it's four. Four results, bang on. Four scores, bang on. It's because he keeps predicting mm. all them Stoke wins, you see, and we just <laughs> we keep winning now, don't we? Um, yeah. So yes, oh, well. I, I was, uh, me and you, we both got work to do here, mate. We've got 13 and 17 points, uh, you know, me and you have got now to catch up Graham and stop him stop him coming through and winning this again. Get to work this week, eh? 2-0 he's predicted, Anthony. So, yeah, go on, Stoke. Either 1-0 or 3-1. One of us will catch him up. Right, a six-towns challenge for you to end, and then we're all done, ready for this big weekend game. So, as mentioned earlier on, we have had 39 league wins against Blackburn. Which six clubs have we beat 39 or more times? I will give you that we have two of them are in the Premier League, three of them are in the Championship, and one of them is currently in League One. You have three, three wrong answers between you. So yes, Blackburn, we beat Blackburn thirty-nine times in league football in our history. Which six times have we beat? Which six clubs have we beat thirty-nine or more times alongside them? Okay. West Brom, um, come on. Oh, West man, I was Brom? literally about to say West Brom. Yeah, okay. West Brom, 63 times we beat West Brom, more than any other club. 
We've got more home Actually. wins against West Brom. We've got more away wins against West Brom. Uh, the 26 times we've won away at West Brom is one off being double the highest next away wins of the next, the second highest like wins at an away club. So the Hawthorns is a very, very good place to go for a Stoke. Okay, so I reckon that Wolves must be up there, Laurie, because we, we had a decent record against them, didn't we? Um, if I remember rightly. So do you think we could go with, happy with that. Wolves? Yeah. Wolves, 49 wins, second on the list, Wolves. There, there have okay. incidentally been more goals in games against Wolves, that's 412, than any other club. Okay, what? so... Um, so what 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 is it the above now? So there's one more Premier League side. One Premier League. Two Championship sides and one in League One. Okay, so should we have Sunderland? Oh, sorry, got sorry, there we go. Um, Swansea. Oh, Swansea. Yeah, that could be good. Now I think Maybe. what's happened with Swansea. I think we've got a really good record against Swansea, but I think what's happened is Swansea spent a lot of their years in the lower divisions so we haven't Fair played enough. them that many times so they are 14th on the list with 31 victories against Swansea no way so, <laughs> so I'm trying to think back to our, our, that, who this Premier League club could be right so how did we do against the big clubs at home um, Man City we didn't beat even the Crouchy one was 1-1 one, one. We beat them away from home, but that was like once. So it won't be Man City. United, we weren't bad against, but we only, again, away from home, we didn't really win. Um, Chelsea, we didn't do very well against. We got robbed at their place. So we beat them once at home, if I remember rightly. How, how did we do against the likes of Liverpool, Laurie? Liverpool and I mean, Arsenal, we, we wouldn't have had a bad, bad record against, I don't think, but what about the well, last Liverpool? Yeah. Is that, bit is that a, too bit of a mixed bag with Liverpool, I, I feel. Yeah. And of late, if you're going to talk about the Arsenal, it was Stoke were winning most games at the Brit and then we never won at the Emirates, did we? Mm, that's that's my worry. I don't even feel that we did. We even draw at the Emirates. I know we. I know we had a draw at the uh, we at Anfield in in the league a couple of times, but yeah, it, that could be a sticky wicket, uh, perhaps. Okay. Well, I'm let, trying let's to. Leave, let's leave the Premier League. I have a think about the Premier League team. Let's leave that alone then, because Championship teams who were good against, right? So we always seem to beat Sunderland. So Sunderland may be in the top five or six. What about um, Birmingham? Birmingham. Uh, oh, that Jukovic or whatever his name is used to always haunt us, didn't he, up front? Um, I go, go with that. I'm, I'm other, other than Sunderland, I'm struggling. So if you want to go Birmingham, go Birmingham. Yeah, yeah. Birmingham. Birmingham, 39 wins. So yes, they Ooh. are six. So yes, level with Blackburn and A1, A and other. Um, incidentally, only Swansea with 87, have scored less against us in the top 18 of this list. So Birmingham, yeah, don't score, you know, scored hardly any goals against Stokes, fair. And we've, uh, yeah, got 39 wins against them. 
and your thing in Sunderland, go for it. We, we've got a good record against Sunderland, don't we? Even at their place, we some we you know, we seem to have pinched wins. I swear we did. So Dan go Sunderland because I'm kind of out now. I think <laughs> Sunderland. <laughs> yeah. Sunderland means you've got all three championship sides. Oh, yeah, they are third yeah, on the list. 43 wins. Now, Sunderland, we've got the biggest difference between home and away wins. 34. So we've won 34 home games against Sunderland, only nine away. So oh, my- okay. Um, maybe we drew more than I thought then uh, when, I, when we were away. Um, I mean, I've That's really not drawn on this Premier League team. So there's Please League want. One side and there's a Premier League side. Right. I've got an idea for Mike. I'll just talk to you now before I lock in this one. <laughs> what do you what do you think about Bolton? Our League um, One. We the FA Cup wouldn't count. We lost five nil on the on the return fixture in in the league, I think, if I remember rightly. At their place, so that didn't go well. I'm just trying to think of any other wins. I mean, I went to Bolton a couple of times with Stoke, and we didn't win. Um, I I, we were quite good. I mean, what about I, other, I understand. What about the other Midlands clubs and stuff like that? I mean, who else is in? Who's, who's in League One for Midlands? Right. So Derby, um, bit higher up Wigan. We had loads of good results Ooh. against Wigan. Yeah. You have to remember, though, this is of all time, Wigan. Yeah. We must just... have played Blackpool so many times. <laughs> Come on. Oh, There's got to be I'm, a... I'm struggling here. I, I, I'm really not sure. Go with your gut, mate. If we don't crack it, we don't crack it. But I'm struggling now. Go Blackpool then, Dan. We're, we're struggling here. Blackpool? No, I've got the top 20 written down after when I looked at it. Blackpool aren't on that list. Okay. It's on my uh, head. Are we out of lives now, Dan? Got one more one more life left. Oh, I'm trying to if I give you a hint, you have just mentioned them. Oh. Well, the Premier League one. The teams you just said when you when you were mentioning teams in League One. Oh, okay. Derby County. Derby County, that was the first one that Laurie said. So let's go with that, Derby County. Okay, fourth on the list, Derby County. Oh. 41 wins oh. against Derby. Not you knew all... that, Laurie, off the top of your head, didn't you? You really knew <laughs> Not all no, Rosie, though. It's not all Rosie against Derby, though. We've conceded 219 against them, which is more than any other club we've ever played. <laughs> uh, okay. So you are looking for fifth on the list. Well, fifth joint fifth with Birmingham and Blackburn, thirty-nine wins. It's the Premier it's League team. It needs to yeah. be needs to be a team that's been in the Premier League for our ten years, without a doubt, doesn't it? And I'm trying. There wasn't many permanent fixtures over the course of ten years. Let's be honest. We we, we did really well. Um, it wasn't Man City. It wasn't Man United. It wasn't Chelsea. It wasn't Spurs. I will say the the, the stat a few times. The stat I've got written down here says we all, only Blackburn ninety four have we played less than we have this team. So we played this side ninety six times. 
And on of the top seven that we mentioned here, only Blackburn with 94 and we played less than this. So we've got a very good win ratio against them. Who have we played 96 times, beating on 39 occasions? We've beaten Luton a lot. Well, have we played them 96 times in the yeah. league? Have there been 48 yeah. seasons? We've That's 48 seasons in the same division of them. No. They're not then. Oh, I don't think we're going to get this, are we? This is going to stump us. Just go with one. We'll, we'll be here or not. And I'm really not sure. I say the only one that comes to mind is Liverpool. But that's only because I remember a couple of home wins, I think, against them. Uh, but beyond that, I don't think we really won at their place. That was the running... The running theme, wasn't it? Um, so it might be before my time, potentially, but just you go with what you want, mate. I'll, I'll back you. Nottingham Forest. <laughs> <laughs> right, so Nottingham Forest are 13th, well, joint 11th, sorry, with 32 wins. So, oh. unfortunately, you have not conquered the Six Towns Challenge this week. I will give you the top 20. So, 30 victories. There's five clubs there. Liverpool, Bolton, Berry, Hull and Sheffield Wednesday we've all had 30 wins against Hull I was surprised really, I didn't realise that they'd been high enough up really to compete with us that often um, Swansea and Aston Villa 31 wins Manchester City, Everton and Nottingham Forest, 32 Sheffield United and Middlesbrough, 34 Preston, 35 and then obviously we've got Blackburn, Birmingham 39, obviously Derby, Sunderland, Wolves, West Brom, who are the other club on 39, currently in the Premier League, Burnley. Oh, you said Burnley as well. Um, OK. Yes, it was a nice, it was a, it was a, a tough one that was, trying to win that, that is out. A tough cookie. So yes, well done. You got five out of six. So an honourable uh, sharing. Well done. Right. Well, that wraps up your podcast for this week, people. Uh, we are. I think we are reconvening after the after the Blackburn game, aren't we? Are we ready for the next match, Mike? Yeah, we've got QPR on Tuesday, haven't we? Which is um, God. We if we can't beat QPR, there's a problem. I think they haven't won at home in like eleven or twelve games. There's probably more now since I heard that stat. So, uh, yeah, we'll yes. be back on Monday, mate, to preview QPR. Yes, the issue, the slight issue we'll have with that, and obviously we'll talk more in depth on that pod, is that Gareth Ainsworth is no longer the manager there. So, of course, the spanner is in the works there, because uh, I would have loved to have played against his side. But what you can they've sacked him before we've had a chance. Never mind. Um, yes, up the Potters. Three points on Saturday, please. Let's keep this run going and get back up in the gears after the international break. Go on, Stoke. Go on, Stoke. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.